Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. And our guest this week is Neil from Transpontine. Hi. That's at Transpontine on Twitter and transpont.blogspot.com. Before we get started, Steve has organised a pub quiz on Mother's Day, which uh, <laughs> has got, you know, it's not convenient for everyone, as uh, you found out today on Twitter, didn't you, Steve? I didn't realise it was Mother's Day until uh, the teacher pointed out. But as I said, we'll just do a round of questions yeah. around mum today. Well, I'll be there also, anyway, but... Spend all day. Exactly, bring your mum. Bring your mum, yeah, she'd love that. Is that. If we get a team of mums, that'll be the wave one before we even start doing the quiz on the day. Uh, it's on the 30th of March at the Ivy House in uh, Nunhead, 40 Stuart Road. If you go to facebook.com slash hardcore, we've got full details of the quiz, directions to the Ivy House. Don't be thinking it's far away from all the public transport, it's not. No. Uh, go on, on the Facebook page, we'll show you how to get there. Or we'll even meet people, Steve, won't we? Bring them yes, along. Yes, you will. You will do that. It's very good. Um, they do coffee, Steve. Volcano, which is like a local one. Well, it's just, well, I'll say just. I mean, there's other things. I mean, it's an asset of community value, but mostly the fact they do coffee. Is <laughs> it's the big me. thing. And I will be tweeting them in advance to make sure they don't do that old pub trick of just going, nah, coffee machine's not working, mate. Southernhardcore.com for all the episodes, at SLHC on Twitter. Neil is at Transpontine. He's snagged that. Congratulations to Paul Shin, who won the Monsieur Non t-shirt competition. T-shirt on your way to you, Paul. Let us know your size and the colour you want. When we came up with the idea of doing stuff on Hardcore, you have a scout round to make sure no one's doing exactly what you want to do. The closest we found as a podcast was Angels. Here be Angels. Here be Angels. Do I don't know if you remember that? No, I don't remember It was a yeah, podcast about, specifically uh, Peckham, but sort of South London generally, and it was it was a bit of a worry for us because it was produced by some of the words of the BBC. Yeah. So immediately, you're like the production values are going to be through the roof. They're going to have access to equipment and materials. But then we listened to it, and it was a very different take on what we wanted to do. But I think if you were doing a podcast, we'd have to rethink it. Because be quite similar. we do, yeah, we cover a lot of the, the same ground. I mean, yeah. um, on your uh, on the blog, you say uh, the, the things you talk about are political but not party political, and I think that's a really important distinction that people forget to make. People who even like to think of themselves as apolitical, you can't be apolitical. Political decisions affect our lives every day in terms of education and health and transport. This is what you're leading with, Steve apolitical. Well, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> but a lot of what you yeah. talk about on the blog um, yeah, I think it's, is politics, strange. but with very much a sort of social aspect of it. Yeah, I think that in, in the blog, and I guess on Southern Hardcore as well, there's, there's a number of different strands, one of which there is obviously a, a kind of a, a, a political aspect to it, but also, also a lot about the, the music and culture of the area. Uh, and... Uh, I guess that's part of your thinking about how the transplant on the blog came about. It's actually 10 years old this year, I can't believe. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, was anyone doing anything else, sort of specifically? Well, 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 stuff on the press. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they beat all, all of us, that's fine. There was a number of people who started doing blogs in uh, different parts of South London around the same time, like Deptford Dame. Uh, shortly afterwards, Nick Barron started Broccoli Central. 
Uh, and there are a few other people who were blogging at the time who subsequently dropped out, like there used to be a blog called The Man from Catford, for instance. Um, but I suppose for me, what, what brought it all together, and it was me and my friend Scott started it, uh, was just a sense that there was a lot going on uh, locally that we wanted to document and let people know about in an almost kind of like fanzine kind of a way. So at that time, you had um, the New Cross music scene was kind of peaking, um, based at the Paradise Bar, really, which is now the, uh, the Royal Albert. That's what, so you had uh, all those bands like uh, Block Party and Art Brute, neither of whom were actually directly from New Cross, but who were very much associated playing at that, those nights and Angular Records, so we're going to all that. Then there was um, a thing called South East London Folklore Society, which is still going actually now in, uh, by London Bridge, but at that time was meeting above a pub in Greenwich, um, dealing with all kind of folklore and general sort of weirdness. And I was also involved in something called South London Radical History Group, which was uh, meeting at the usual social centre, which was a, at the time was a squatty baker shop in Deptford High Street. So those kind of strands, kind of uh, history, Music, culture, a um, bit of politics, general kind of uh, obscure, weird back alleys of uh, subcultures was, was kind of the interest. And I think uh, coming across the word transpond time was what kind of gave it a kind of framework because it kind of, what have all these things got in common apart from what we were interested in them? Well, and they're geographically based in South East London. But when, when I found the word transpond time, it seemed to kind of sum the whole thing up really because. The lurid melodrama. Well. Yeah, the lurid melodrama. Yeah, because it, and I think this is something that you've tapped into as well, and it, which is you know, You're pretty lurid. The, the South London question, as I call it, or the transpontine <laughs> question. You know, it's not just about the fact that you're living in South London and therefore you're writing about things that happen in your area, which anyone is doing anything local, like a local paper is doing. But is there is there something specific about this part of London compared to other parts of London or other parts of the world, and that's kind of one of the things that the word transpontine for me kind of implies maybe there is something different because it's across the bridge from where all the centres of uh, political power are and, and all the main kind of um, media centres they're all centres of rural power they're all on the other side of the river and transpontine as a word is, implies yeah, across the bridge where the, the lower orders have their vulgar culture and uh, all kinds of stuff's happening so and uh, yeah so, you know, that's where did you come across the word transponder? I'm not 100% sure where I actually came across it, first of all, to be honest. I think it was when I was reading up about the, um, the history of the theatre in, this, in South London, because um, probably came originally from one of, um, that guy, John Constable, also known as John Crow, who wrote The Southern Mysteries. He was, he was doing all this stuff, he still does, in fact, about Crossbones Graveyard and all, all that in, the, in Southwark. And that, that led me into reading up about some of that stuff about the, the South Bank. And I, I came across then about, in a few accounts about um, the theatre and how this kind of disparaging, it's a kind of condescending word that's, that's used in, in really 19th century about. It was a little bit transpontine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm glad the word is, I think, through, not just through our blog, but through other people and like yourselves, the word is now gone back into the, well, the popular that, parlance. Well, the banner that Robert exactly, made yeah. just yeah. incredible. Isn't it? Look, it was Robert that I first heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, he's described, he's described Wolfgang Moneypenny as a, a transpontine uh, candidate. And I was like, what does this word mean? And we read it and like, that's just Yeah, wonderful. you can go over it. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Yeah. Such a but the banner is, you know, uh, 
Pink and pink, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a few different colours, I think, isn't it? It's got light. I think it's pink and blue, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, is it? Right. I thought it was... Uh... He's got his trunks on time, flag as well. That's flag. Yeah. yeah, I think John Constable is a kind of interesting character and one of the people who's kind of developed this whole kind of mythology of... Uh, of South London, particularly that Southwark area, which is his, his patch, really. Mm. Um, the Crossbones Graveyard, I mean, that's become a thing, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, people, people go there every month. It's a well-known uh, space. Um, and, he, yeah, and he's, he really has developed this whole notion based around you know, that side of the river being where all the kind of illegal things happen that weren't allowed on the other side. I'm, I'm OK to say that some of this stuff is, is mythology, you know, because some of it's... Mm. based on historical fact but there are some other interpretations yeah I mean we, as li- regular listeners we know Steve believes everything Steve believes there's a truth to everything even if something's false yeah. there's a truth to it because why yeah. is that live being told and that's where the story is isn't it yeah you well can... then it's a story so then it's become part of the reality I think uh, on yeah. Twitter recently uh, we were talking to Owen Pomery and he yeah. overheard someone of us giving a false reason why the elephant passed away his name and as you said yes. it's uh, folklore being passed on generations yeah you know? well, I, I always like it when I meet somebody who tells me about something which I know they probably must have read on Transpontine or through someone having read it and passed it on to them so an enormous media power to create uh, disinformation <laughs> yeah. no but this is the thing years. though You've, your blog is uh, so deep I mean yeah. it's like an authority on South London like you say not just like folklore, culture, history, essentially. Like I, we've probably got a different approach, with Steve. I actively try and avoid it because you. In, when I first started writing a football blog, my wife said to me, "Don't read other match reports, yeah, because you, you end up factoring it in." Yeah. So I think sometimes I end up on there, but I try not to because I think I don't, we don't. I don't just want to just copy exactly what's yeah, there. But there is a danger when uh, reading something you've written about something to sort of think. That's the definitive account. It's hard to sort of think of you because your research is so, uh, and, and it, it's the thing. It's very deep in terms of individual things, but the breadth of stuff as well is remarkable. It, it does feel like, and it's just you yourself doing that. You it saying, is pretty much me now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott was involved at the beginning. He's doing other stuff now, really. But occasionally, you get guest contributions, but it's mainly me. So I do sometimes think, God, ten years I could have written about five books. In fact, Scott did uh, write a book after I stopped doing it. But I think if you uh, went through there and collated yeah. things yeah. in a particular way, you've written five books. I think at it, least. It, they, they could still be a book. It's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I think there is something as well about um, the depth you get from speaking to people in, on a one-to-one basis. So I thought... This is going to sound really crap, anyway, it's going to sound like a love-in, isn't it? But you know, I thought, I thought <laughs> because of the, the interview with Sean Harker when he was talking about the... Uh, you know, there's the rather high squats in the 80s, mm-hmm. and stuff. some of that stuff's very rich. And, I, mm-hmm. and I, one thing I've always thought I'd like to do more with transplanting is actually get out and meet some more people properly and actually interview them in a more of a kind of an oral history kind of way. Because, well, I've become quite aware, morbidly aware recently of kind of um, you know, some of the people who, who own or hold a lot of that knowledge and history just passing on because you know, every Every day, someone's passing on. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a library now, you stuff down, never you know. get it. Because yeah. I, I, I have done some history stuff in the past, and it's very labour intensive that all history work because it's not just intuitive and transcribing it afterwards, but or maybe just sticking on a podcast. Andrew, that's <laughs> like, yeah, the way forward, that's it. Get it done. If we but, just convince him to do a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, one of the things that we had to 
decide when we're putting the show together was our limits essentially yeah. like obviously the river forms a natural border to the north but to the south and either side working out how far our, our sprawl was going to extend and we went for postcodes initially didn't we we went for s yeah we've got postcodes and then i think we're making an exception for croydon now and then yeah you know you've got well, there's parts of croydon that are sort of yeah but i think we've made exceptions for places that probably aren't s SW, SE, sorry. Yeah. That's fine, I think. Things blur, don't they? Yeah, it's blurred. Yeah. Whereas yours is very based. We were recording at the moment at the Amersham Arms upstairs, um, and this is kind of the epicenter of your, your uh, block, really, isn't it? Yeah, New, New Cross, Deptford, Brooklyn is really the heart of it, but um, I don't have any strong rules about it. It's pretty much what I would say south southeast postcode, I guess. Um, I know yeah, you, you, say you, say you yeah, yeah. I do sort of switch to Brixton because I lived there for ten years. So. Yeah, Brixton is and it's, really on the, it's, on the, it's on the edge. Yeah, so and again, so rich. Whereas I don't tend to uh, go. I mean, I used to have gone over to Wimbledon and Barnes and play seven. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. haven't really stretched that far. No, it's uh, you'd be doubling your undertaking, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you did that. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's this whole thing about you know, what is south and what is east. And, I mean, if you read some of the old stuff about. 19th century, sometimes you see Deptford being referred to as being in the East End, for instance. Right. So I was on the overground last weekend and there was a, a woman talking to her friend. We were going through Robert Hive and a friend said, uh, Where are we? And a friend went East London. Yeah. And that's part of my tongue. Sort of, Maybe she was uh, pretending she was further along on the journey. Right. And I know people yeah, do, yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. an elephant. You're like, yeah. I'm nearly there now. <laughs> I always hope that when they're doing that, the bus will sort of get on. <laughs> <Yeah>. 176. <laughs> But yeah, there's kind of obviously there's an east-west polarity as well as the south-north, mm, isn't yeah. it? And uh, in some ways, you know, obviously the, the docks on docklands on the south side are a lot more historically in common with the other side of the river mm, docklands yeah, than they have with say Clapham, for instance. But uh, yeah, I'm not really into kind of the postcode war thing. I'm not a kind of a South London nationalist or anything. It's just <laughs> there was a, a thing for me about starting it up. It's also a lot of that sort of 1990s London writing, like you know Peter Atkins and Ewan Sinclair's, Charles enjoyed. Um, it's very kind of very very straight across the river at all. It's, it's almost it's like sparse, isn't it, in terms you of know, I think in the Peter Atkins London, but he even gets in the first edition, he even gets where the Greenwich Tunnel is wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so there is this sense of a kind of a, a, an untold story of kind of, a, of areas where. Which are generally left out of the of the London story, which is very much kind of West End or West End story, isn't it? And yeah, also, where you're Westminster and City of London, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I often think that you you couldn't do like a North London hardcore. Obviously, you could do a North London podcast. You do a podcast for anywhere, but the, the South London thing is there is a. I mean, I'm not really. I don't really do this to shatter myths or anything, or to kind of compensate for people's false um, impressions of, the, of areas but there is sort of an element of you, you put the name South London on it it's different to put in the name of any other part of East London I think like you say Steve the river is a big part of that the fact that it is segregated and even though there's a lot of big difference between South East and South West London you know they blur into one another mm. and you know you, South London has it sort of it's not just a stigma I think it is a kind of separateness yeah there's a stronger, I think there's a stronger identity. Well, I mean, you know, East London obviously is a very strong uh, sense of identity and place. And South London, I think, is similar. I think that might be, as you say, something to the docks, a sort of blurring of identities uh, across there. 
Northampton, I don't feel that there's that. No one seems to be, you know, happy to identify. Particularly not in West London. West London seems very sort of anonymous yeah. as a place to me. I think, I think it's funny, is it? Because South, South London belo- begins on the South Bank of the River Thames. North London doesn't belo- no. begin on the North Bank. Yeah. Of the You've got like Thames. Central London yeah, in between. Exactly, yeah. 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 So yeah. South London is everything south of the Thames, whereas mm. North London is... A bit further up towards Hertfordshire, really, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you're almost on the bus or whatever. And you think, oh, am I in North London yet? Oh, I, you know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah. very, it's a lot different like to crossing over a river. When you get to King's Cross or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think yeah, that's when you when you go out. I remember being around here one evening. We went to a house party by Newcastle Gate Station, and we came out, and people were just like, "Where are we? You know, how will I possibly get home from it? What zone am I in? It's yeah. like you're in zone two. If the trains, like, if we were at four o'clock in the morning, like, the trains would be running and you'd be in London Bridge by a ten, in ten minutes. Yeah. They're not, so you can get on loads of buses to central London that don't take very long. Mm. You know, it's got that kind of... Was it not the, uh, the Arthur Mackinac quote about behind the scenes of the uh, universe or something, where he says he's, he he's kind of goes down... He must come from London Bridge and on a bus and he goes down, down to East Street and he, and he says, I feel like I've... I've gone be- behind the scenes of the universe or something like that. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. That's not what we're thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's quite an opposite quote, because one thing I've been thinking about recently, one which I haven't written about, but I'm trying to think about writing about it, is about the kind of relationship between um, the art world in central London and, and south London. Because what you find is that all the big galleries, I guess with the exception of Tate Modern maybe, um, all the big galleries are kind of the West, West End yeah. or across the river. But actually a lot of the work that underpins it is all around sort of Bermondsey and Rotherhide. So, you know, Tate Gallery, obviously you've got one, one on Bankside and the, and the main one, um, Tate, Tate Britain. But it's uh, the Tate Stores, it's where all its paintings are held, is in um, Mandela Way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, a lot of the work is, got, a lot of the contemporary artwork is sort of fabricated to the artists' instructions in, in these big workshops down the Old Kent Road. Um, and some of the big art transport companies like Constantine are, are also based, you know, all those places down Hilton Road, um, by Millwall Ground, off the back of the Old Kent Road, these big old anonymous warehouses. That's kind of really where a lot of the, you know, the, the labour that's going on that's underpinning the art world. And that's what that, in that, terms of that kind of Arthur Mackin quote about, you know, yeah, absolutely. behind the scenes. It is, you know, this, this, this is where the, the work happens, which creates these uh, other kind of things that are going on in the West End and elsewhere. You, you've probably been following the, uh, the Millwall saga about yeah. the sale of the land, and, you know, I've kind of taken a slightly uh, sceptical approach to it, really, because... It, I don't. Re- I personally don't really feel the club is immediately threatened by uh, by what's going on down there. I mean, people who aren't aren't familiar with it, the uh, Lewisham Council have sold off some land, uh, including the Millwall car park, to the developers who are developing the whole area along that Surrey Surrey Canal Road. And Millwall aren't very happy about it because they're saying it uh, it threatens their their viability. But actually, when I looked into it a bit deeper, I felt that. It wasn't so much about Millwall Football Club, it was about the owners of Millwall and their, their own property development kind of ambitions. Because right. they, they, it's not like they want to save the uh, current site of the, uh, the Lions community scheme. They want to build on it too. They want to build a hotel on the car park. They've got their own property build, developing uh, uh, aspirations. So it's not just about the football. But anyway, the reason I mention that as an aside is because it made me think about 
all these kind of zones, these kind of anonymous kind of zones like warehouses, industrial estates, um, which are actually uh, always up for being redeveloped because uh, they're kind of brownfield sites as they call them. But there's, a, there's obviously a whole lot of stuff going on there and you run around you know, that, that, that industrial estate by, by Millwall and Hilton Road. There's, there's loads of music studios in there. There's all this kind of art stuff going on. And you think about all, all I guess, some of the stuff we've both covered about music and, um, you know, warehouse parties, all that kind of stuff, where you obviously need a warehouse to start with. <laughs> and, you know, all, 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 the, all these railway arches, it's all these kind of underused spaces where all this interesting stuff has happened and, that, yeah, and gradually that's, that's been squeezed down that that's yeah. the thing. whereas if, if everything's flats yeah. then all you've got is, is residents and you've got shops but you do need these spaces that are ambiguous in terms of what they can be yeah. and you know sometimes they get repurposed um, permanently and they use what's there as a space you know on the recent Bubble Hive episode we went to uh, Sands Film Studios yeah. uh, which is an old granary but they've sort of taken the space within that building and they use it to store, you know, tons of costumes and boxes and jewellery and whatnot. So it it being if that had been at some point in the eighties sort of broken up and turned into lots of small flats, yeah. then suddenly that purpose where it can work to a particular scale is gone forever. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And even some of the kind of rubbish and recycling stuff, I mean, around the back of Mill there's loads of kind of like Scrap yards and stuff, and uh, obviously there's, there's a big incinerator there, um, and there's also a southern recycling plant down that way as well. But you know, large cities, you, there has to be somewhere where all the crap goes, and someone's got to deal with it. You know, I got rid of so. a bridge there once. So. <laughs> the other sort of impetus we're getting from uh, redevelopers and estate agents is renaming areas, and that's something we were talking about recently. Yes, because that, that whole the whole depth of Greenwich thing is. Hilarious, it is hilarious, yeah. If people haven't followed this one, there's a, a new development uh, on the Deptford side of Deptford Creek, the river, and uh, it's been marketed by the property developers as Greenwich Creek side. And some people have bought flats there, believing that they now live in Greenwich. And they, some of the people there have started a campaign that, to recognise the fact they live in Greenwich by amending their postcode from uh, really? SE8 to SE10. Because for deliveries, they're putting Greenwich on the address and it's not getting there because they <laughs> live in Greenwich. Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of drifting names over the years. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, to be honest, if you, get, if you go back to medieval times, it definitely was called West Greenwich, like, right. going way back. Um, and, yeah, and if you look into any area, its name's going to have changed over time. But, you, but that's that's a kind of natural organic process. You can't have a developer just suddenly exactly. decide no, that's that's we, we are going to export it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Areas and things do blur and change. We, we don't want estate agents telling us what, you know. No, you want them to blur and change naturally through use. Yeah. That's uh, a natural process. The idea that developers are going to, yeah. you know, say, hang a sign up and think they can redefine an area. Yeah. And also, you know, with the renaming that does happen naturally, there are practical reasons for it, and this shows the impracticalities of deciding arbitrarily to rename a place. Yeah. You've told people they're living in Greenwich, they're putting it on the um, uh, delivery forms for whatever and not getting their stuff. Yeah, I mean, in that case, there is a kind of a genuine confusion between Greenwich as a council, which covers a huge area, yeah. and Greenwich as, as the old place, the town, effectively. 
So that part of Deptford has, for quite a long time, been under Greenwich Council. But that also includes, for instance, Deptford Green. It yeah. includes uh, St Nicholas it's Church, it's Church Deptford. Council, you know. And also, yeah, right, so anyone living in Elton or Plumstead could also say, I live in Greenwich too. Well, they do live in Greenwich Borough, but they don't live no. in Greenwich. And you were saying on the site of the development as well, there was... Uh, Factory, yeah, well, there's, there's two developers. There's the Greenwich Creekside, which is the one that's sort of the really burning contention. There's also another one across the road, a bit older, called Millennium Key, which has also been marketed in a bit of a Greenwichy way. Yeah, well, um, the name Millennium is. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. on the site of the Deptford Power Station. Um, you know, and to be fair, you know, a lot of people who live there in Millennium Key and indeed in Greenwich Creekside know they live in Deptford and they're quite happy about it and proud of it, but. Uh, it's not saying that Deptford is like, oh, Deptford's great, Greenwich is crap. It's, it's more about... No. It's, it's about... If you move into an area, you've got to have some respect for, for how everyone else sees it and the, and the history of the place. Yeah, a bit of accuracy won't go miss with it. A bit of accuracy won't And also, if it, you know, it's the former site of Deptford Power Station, then you're sort of trying to erase that from history. In yeah. Way, well, the river's called Deptford Creek. I mean, there's the clue, you know. Yeah. That's the boundary, you know. But you get that all over the place. I mean, it's... It's a, it's a bit of a joke, and it's just estate agents. But when people start buying into it like that, well, we made a list before on an episode where we were talking about our favourite attempts by an estate agent to rebrand an area. And my favourite is probably still uh, South City, which was the Elephant Castle. <laughs> yeah, that to, one didn't last too uh, long. Did it? I mean, it hasn't worked. No. Don't ever change the name Elephant and Castle to anything. I met this guy at um, the Force Nine podcast on Sunday, which. I'm on if you'll listen to it at the underscore false underscore nine then not the word nine um, who lives he lives in uh, Schumer Road in oh, Peckham yeah. right so he lives on Schumer Road and the estate agent said to him you know you're on Schumer Road opposite the Montpellier and another place with a French name and he called it the French Quarter <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just outrageous isn't it well you got that sure, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> But, the, but there's the Bellenden rebrand, isn't there? That's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and that, but that wasn't enough. wasn't enough for them to put Bellenden Village. That's got to step further and call it the French Quarter of Bellenden yeah. Village. <laughs> yeah, not like the common end of Bellenden Village. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like I, an English part. <laughs> I, 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 I think Brixton's shrunk over the years, though now it's probably grown again. But, uh, mm. you know, the, the whole thing about Routon Road, different Routon Road was, uh, you know, that's the front line yeah. Brixton, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And, uh, you know, someone put me up recently saying that's Herne Hill, not not Brixton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, you go to the far end of it, it does join yeah, it. So there is a grey area there, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a, it's just you don't want to stay there to decide on these things. No, and it, it kills. It. it really does. Like as much as we judge away, it kills me that they are. Yeah, and they they're just kind of getting away with it. Yeah, like we were saying on the on the show that just went up a few days ago, so last week's show uh, about Oval Quarter. And you're not half a mile from the Oval, you know, which is a which is a cricket ground. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. obviously it's sort of become an area. Yeah. But you know, Oval it's a like half a mile away on the back streets of like the Peckham, uh, Campbell, Brixton border. Yeah. And you know, you like, we'll call this Oval Quarter. That gets signed off, and next thing you know, people are saying they live in the Oval, and that annoys me. <laughs> it does. Whereabouts in London do you come from originally? I'm actually originally from Luton. Oh, right. That's another reason why I'm not back in Millwall's corner. Lee kind of came from, uh, was it 85? Yes. <laughs> no, to be honest, I, I have gone a bit soft on Millwall because they are the local club and I do think people should support the local club. Um, 
my own kids uh, I did get them to go down the community scheme and stuff at Millwall but um, they didn't really buy it and uh, you know, and I think it would be a step too far for me to go down there and start supporting them but, uh, <laughs> but, Who do you kids support? Would they support Millwall? No they're not really they're not really supporting a team Well better that than Manchester So I'm playing them as, <laughs> I'm playing them as default living support but, <laughs> I've, I've been living down here for, for uh, more than half my life I've been there in uh, Originally in Brixton and about 10 years, and in, in, over here I've been in New Cross for about 18 years. So, yeah, been in about 27, 28 years in the area. And I've, I've also worked in uh, Peckham, Woolworths, and West Norwood, and a few other places. Yeah, so. West Norwood Library. West Norwood Library, yes. Right. How was that? Yeah, it was good actually. Actually, I also used to work in Tulse Hill Library. Uh, when there was a little library on the estate yeah, there. Yes, I say that's not there anymore. No, it's not. There. And uh, at the time, when I first moved down to London, I was squatting on the Tulsa estate and I used to be able to go home at lunchtime and watch Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was, this was you know, classic early Kylie period Neighbours. So, you know, when Neighbours were still good. When it was a, talk, when it was a thing to talk about. Yeah. yeah, it is. Somewhere really? in, like, in Australia. Yeah. I was not on I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Again, we start, I thought they were going to merge you home in a way to make. One fading soap between them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, super soap. Yeah, so West Norwood Library is that where is that where the uh, of Orange? Yeah, that's yeah. right upstairs yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Netton Hall. Currently closed. It's been closed for years. I think someone nicked some lead off the, off the roof. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing, yeah, was nice thing about working there was um, going to uh, West Norwood Cemetery at lunchtime and having sandwiches. And at that time, though I was blissfully unaware of it at the time. There was some major kind of uh, coke smuggling operation right, being run yeah, out of the yeah. cemetery. They were storing the drugs in the in the catacombs. Yeah. Oh wow. It's also the fun resting place of the man who invented the machine gun. I was told. So I went to school. Thompson. Those two Google. facts are probably connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to school at St Joseph's College in Beulah Hill, so you go past it a lot of mates and talk about it um, at school. But that was the thing that always stuck with me. Mm. So we're upstairs in the Amisham Arms, and uh, mm. last time I was in there was a couple of years ago. I mean, it's now uh, you can't see this as it's radio, but on podcast, which is good. But uh, <laughs> it's now a fairly a white painted room. But last time I was up here about two, three years ago, there still had some old black and white photos up in the wall from uh, acts who played here in the past. And uh, I, I, I did check today to see what they were. One was Becky Bondage from uh, punk band Vice Squad. Uh, one was John Otway and Mar Willie Barrett, and the other one was a obscure early nineties folk rock band called the Barely Works, and uh, the photos were still up on the wall. And uh, so this pub has, has obviously got a lot of uh, music history, and uh, I have actually sung in here with the Broccoli Ukulele Group when I was when I was in them. But, uh, did you play the ukulele? I, too? I did indeed play and sing at the same time. What, what were you playing this evening? Probably uh, Friday I'm in love by the cure. That was uh, <laughs> the one I sang the vocals on, among others. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I guess the first time I came over to New Cross was was to, really when I was in Brixton was to come to to a place like here and uh, and to the venue uh, when the venue had a lot of bands playing there. Yeah. Um, and also when I first came over here, it was actually I remember first I came to Amersham, I was to see a friend's band. They were called the Grateful Dub, and that was. Mm-hmm. A, it was the kind of early 90s, there was this whole kind of uh, squat punk dub scene. Um, bands like Batch the Planet and uh, uh, RDF, Radical Dance Faction. And uh, they, Amsterdam was one of the places all those bands used to play. And that all fed into the, uh, the Fordham Park Cross Festival from the 
from the 90s where they, um, they had these huge festivals in Fordham Park and New Cross, like proper like kind of Stonehenge-free festival vibe, but just for the weekend. And you know, at one point they were up to about 30,000 people. It started getting well out of hand. People like, like Orbital played there and they had these massive dance tents. So it was really that kind of a, sort of a early rave period as well. They've got a primal screen playing. I saw that. Yeah. Primal screen DJ set, which you know. But they've used all the sort of screen with that style. Yeah, we see which members of primal screen actually do. Surely don't take more than one, does it? (laughs) Yeah, the Amish Imams seems always seems to me a bit of a microcosm of New Cross. Yeah. Where you know it's uh, broadly like the arts are here, aren't they? You know, like all different in all different mediums, but it has got that kind of. Very lack of glamour as yeah. well, like the, the new cross has, I think. But a long legacy of, of live music. I mean, I was talking to my dad on the phone in Ireland and stuff, and I said, Oh, we're going to see Amish Moms. And he went, Oh, they still have bands on there. And like, he used to yeah. come here and watch bands in the 60s, uh, you know, when he wasn't going to the Harp Club, which was the. the that's another great story, the, the Harp Club, because that's the first time I came over here, uh, apart from coming here, was to go to the. In fact, probably the first time was to go to the Harp Club, which later became the venue. And I think this whole thing about you know, the Irish dance halls and their role in uh, London culture is another great story, really, isn't it? Because uh, the Harp Club was one of those old Irish dance halls. They started doing an indie night, and I used to come over to that. It's called a, it's called a Million Rubber Bands, I think it's called. Bands like Wire played there and various others. And then uh, that then later became the venue, which became like a big... Uh, Venue, okay. <laughs> uh, that was a previous before it was the Irish dance hall. It was uh, the New Cross Cinema, the cinema. But uh, those Irish dance halls, you know, very important places. And because I think um, Top Court Road, the UFO Club, that was the kind of the, the sort of headquarters of uh, English psychedelia where Pink Floyd started out, and that that was another uh, Irish dance hall. And then the Kilburn National, yeah. uh, that was a big, big gig venue in the 80s and stuff, wasn't it? So, well, uh, next week's episode, we're going to be talking to a couple of our friends about Irish culture in South London. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, you've got something prepared, Steve, yeah? Low lie, the fields of Peckham Rye. There you go. Yeah, but there's a lot. I mean, I used to play in a bit in um, sessions like. I'm making uh, playing a mandolin most of my hands. <laughs> 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 and I think that, yeah, that, that, that's in the whole scene, isn't it? All this kind of network of um, pubs where people play music, Irish music and Scottish music and stuff. It's another part of the story, isn't it? But there's been a real sort of resurgence there. I think where you know pubs have struggled over the last few years. Similar thing to uh, bookshops, where you know it's it's more difficult to keep them viable. Yeah. in this day and age so you have to be smart about what you're going to do you have yeah. to do things a bit differently and the Amish Marbles is a great example of that I mean this is not the first interview we've done in this room with the Amish Marbles I don't know if you remember it's the second interview <laughs> <laughs> who was the first but we, we talked to a couple of guys who organised uh, a zine fest yeah. that was downstairs oh yeah, that, yeah. 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 and it, it's just it does seem like you know there's you know tonight there's so it's like four bands on the bill playing yeah. downstairs um, and we, you know, I was here on Monday for a planning meeting of the New Cross and Deptford Free Film Festival. It does yeah. seem like it's a real sort of yeah. useful space. Yeah, and you need those spaces because that's what I always say. Even the worst pub is better than no pub because as long as the pub's there, someone can come along with an idea and say to the landlord, "You know that room you're not doing upstairs? Can I uh, put a mace band on?" And that is where a whole lot of great uh, music and other scenes have happened in, in London. So 
every time he, he leaves a pub, even if it's a crappy old pub where no one goes to anymore, you're losing that whole potential. When it crosses over here, um, Walpole Wal- Arms, Walpole and all that, it's just... Oh, yeah. And a roast dinner in there once. Yeah, Why Wal- Wal- that impress? It wasn't, wow. great, it wasn't a great pub and it wasn't uh, by the end. Oh, is it gone? But it's now an empty hole, derelict. Really? Wow. Uh, not knocked down to, um, with the planning permission to build a hotel. I gather the hotel was planned as surprise, surprise. Hotel New Cross has fallen through. <laughs> um, and they're probably going to build Goldsmith student accommodation there. Right. Yeah, I don't mind that being there, given what's there now, which is nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'd much rather it was a pub that was there, even a pub that wasn't doing very well, because that could have been there. You know, the next home of the uh, New Cross beat boom or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite pub around here? Um, oh, put me on the spot there. <laughs> Can I chip in? Yeah. I do like the New Cross house. I once had a chocolate calzone there. It was tremendous. <laughs> if you want a chocolate, I don't drink, so my my yeah. reasons for like in pubs are quite different. To <laughs> if Jack ever talks about a pub, yeah. He'll, he'll say the name pub, say whether he had a roast dinner there, and say whether it was any good. That's, that's <laughs> the entirety of his. I want, this is what I want from a pub. I want a nice roast dinner. I want a seat that has a back on it. Yeah. And I'd like ideally for them to do coffee, or admit they do coffee. And then everything else is, uh, you know, what <laughs> is your favourite new pub venue? I, I really uh, over the last few weeks really come to like the Amishmonts just because yeah. of the space. Like you know, I came here on Monday and just sort of said to the manager, I was like, can we just use the room yeah. upstairs on first night? He was like, let me see if we can book. He was like, yeah. yeah. It was just really easy. It wasn't like jump rooms. Just, and it just seems like this is community space where you can just sort of pop in and go, can I just use that room? And they go, yep. You can get vice as well, so yeah. They don't do a chocolate pizza though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the few pubs that don't do chocolate pizza yeah. stuff. The <laughs> Newcross house is nice. I mean, beer's quite expensive. But, yeah, uh, it is. It is a nice place. And uh, other than the Amersham, I suppose there's quite a few other pubs where there's kind of like un- underused places. I mean, the, the, the Telegraph on Dennett's Road, they've, they've got a room upstairs where people do all kinds of like, stuff in and they have an open mic there. Is that the place on Telegraph Hill that's sort of yeah. tucked away? Yeah, it used to be called the Earl of Derby. It's now called the Earl yeah. of Derby at Telegraph. Really, that's really nice, but nice it's just not badly located because I don't want to, you know, people will find it or whatever. But yeah. I lived around the corner and I didn't yeah. know where it was and I <laughs> wasn't quite sure how to get back there. Yeah. Really, really nice. Yeah, um, and obviously the, the what was the Montague Arms was a, was a, a great mm. local pub and that's reputed to be reopening soon under yeah. what guys I mean it won't be what it was before but no. you know I, I think you can get carried away with like, trying to preserve something which is by its nature kind of fleeting unpreservable that yeah. place wasn't it? I went it, to a folk night there yeah. that was great my friend Sam played uh, and some other people that I sort of, sort of knew yeah. it was just a really great night and yeah. you know really interesting decor wasn't it yeah I mean it was the old, old family that ran it I mean they had all this kind of old Maritime bric-a-brac, like old diamond mm. helmets and skeletons in there. And when they close it down, I people were saying, "Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a disgrace that this, their family is selling this stuff off and all that." But, well, you know, so, someone else coming and running it because a couple of the old people who ran it had died. You know, you got to accept that period has come to an end. And yeah. uh, it's a great shame the pub closed down immediately afterwards. But it looks like it might actually reopen, which would be great. I've got a soft spot for the hobgoblin as well. Yeah, um, the roast was alright. <laughs> but you know, she and the Burfrist and the uh, twice, twice two, yeah. yeah, two fights in there is incredible. 
Also, I watched Tottenham beat Arsenal in there for the first time in over a decade and uh, came out beaming. But yeah, really, is it loads? Spoiled for great pops in Newcastle, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And you got and Newcastle scene obviously has got very much got that same vibe as had for years, like putting on loads of gigs on. Yeah, well, like, like, I walk past today, you know, there's someone tuning. There's always something going on there. I mean, sometimes it's packed, sometimes it's not. But there's always actually every night of the week that someone did some music down there. You know? It's fitting, though, isn't it? The name of the area came from a pub. It so is. It should yeah. be a place where you can find a decent spot to go. Should be, yeah. Have you been to um, the Ivy House since you reopened? I'm it could be good because I, you know, re-picked it up when it was a campaign to get yeah, open, yeah. and it's a great a pub. Campaign, though, isn't it? I didn't really sort of realise yeah. that in detail. So and I went there quite a lot beforehand. I used to go to um, the Easy Come Acoustic Club when it was held there, uh, but I must admit I haven't actually been there since. I mean, this is part of the problem, isn't it? Because, uh, well, partly because I've got kids, I don't get out as much as I used to, but also. Um, there's a there's a gap between what people desire to have in their in their area and uh, how many people have actually translate that desire into going there regularly and spending enough money to keep it going. And that's the classic pub. So everyone hates it when the local pub closes. Then they ask themselves the searching question: When did you last actually go there? Yeah. You know, it, well, we're not surprised it's closed. You know? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Not that I'm saying people should go to a pub no, as a kind of heritage thing because oh, I better go up to the pub because I was going to close. But you know, there is a if it's not coming, it doesn't it's, come out of nowhere, yeah, does it? Yeah, it's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Same with cinemas, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, someone said to me the other day, uh, oh, it wouldn't be great at the venue if the nightclub went back to being a cinema. Well, you know, it would be nice to have a cinema in New Cross. Personally, I, I don't go to the venue anymore, but uh, it's actually a fully functioning, thriving club for mm. people who like that kind of thing. Um, so why should it go back to being a cinema? And anyway, the reason all those cinemas closed was because Hey, TV was invented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's, it's to forget that sometimes. <laughs> the venue's been really smart, though, hasn't it? In terms yeah. of you know across its history, moving yeah. from becoming the heart club yeah. uh, to the venue, and then you know, as you say, sort of early nineties, it was a real hot spot for a lot of genuinely good and big bands or bands who are on their way to becoming big. Yeah, know, Oasis and other sort of yeah, all those bands. Pop bands. In fact, but then they sort of when that when they realised that those bands weren't going to play there anymore, yeah. that scene had sort of moved beyond. Um, rebranding with the novelty acts and the uh, yeah. tribute oh, fair, acts. Fair play yeah. for keeping something like that going for all these years, to be yeah. honest. And um, yeah, I mean, I think some some people have said to me, and I'm not sure this is true or not. The reason it kind of closed in terms of putting on bands, uh, live original bands, was partly, uh, I think, driven by changing fashions. Because I remember that was the period when uh, the guitar movie was being re-overtaken by people going dancing in the field and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. there's that. And also for, there was a period when uh, what is now the London Overground, the East London Line, was, was closed for a big de- development for mm-hmm. about a year. So that meant really people couldn't get here so easily. So you're very much then based on who, who's going to come from the local area. So they've turned it into a, a kind of cover band place. But actually, it's the same DJ who was there in, back in the day. And, yeah. And you know, playing cheesy anthems and a few classics. And you know, they get people in there. Who well, that's the thing I haven't been years, but yeah. what I was, what was really smart about it was, like, on the ground floor, essentially, they'd have, like... Or they'd like, a, I think, something downstairs where it was 70s music. Yeah. Then the main hall was, like, chart hits... And then, and that's where the band would play. But then upstairs, right at the top, they had this little bar, and they play sort of Indian metal and hip hop stuff up there. So it's yeah. essentially like three different clubs yeah. all in one building. So you, and you can sort of like, 
it was nice because like I'd go there. It was only a little while where I'd go there and my sister would go there. Yeah. And like me and my friends would go up to the top floor and her and her friends would stay down on the bottom floor. But there was it was like got something for everyone, but you know more than you know one. Yeah, thing. and I, I think people get get misled by the cover band thing because obviously that is on the posters but it's never been about the bands down there and when I did used to go there myself in the late 80s and the 90s when all these classic uh, iconic bands supposedly played down there well I know they did because I've seen the flyers <laughs> and I know that some of those nights I was there but I don't have any recollection of the bands because a lot of the time I'd be upstairs or downstairs or somewhere else drinking and dancing and if you happen to catch the band well that's great but a lot of the time you didn't actually go there to see the band so you know 10 years later you'd look back and say oh I've got to watch Paid attention, the waste of playing there that night, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But the point, <laughs> is, the reason they were playing there is because they yeah. weren't that oasis yeah. there, that was the thing. So. I'm sure it's still like that in there now, there's all those people just going on there getting, getting drunk and um, dancing. You know? <laughs> so good luck to them, I say. We've mentioned a few times on the show, but like Steve's parents met at the venue, and my sister met, met her, yeah, sorry, <laughs> my sister met her husband at the venue. I mean, that's not bad, uh, ratio, no. is it? No, pretty good, yeah. yeah. So still, yeah, still thriving, isn't it? I mean, it caught people flock, uh, flocking yeah. from, uh, from the outskirts, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they, they draw a lot of people in from kind of more south and more east, like down to mm. Kent. And yeah, Bond, definitely. Yeah, so. But, um, yeah, I th- I th- there was also a period, wasn't there? After the, immediately after the kind of indie period, there was a kind of Irish period when they had a, the downstairs was more like going to an, an Irish that's right yeah disco yeah. and then upstairs was still kind of um, more kind of mainstream by, um, was it by Vince Power who did the yeah, I'm not sure. festivals I'm not sure he did anything what's an Irish disco like well, uh, I did actually see, see someone who was playing some house music one night, and someone came up and said, uh, "Can you play some wolf tones?" <laughs> I caught quite a bit of confusion. Good, good the <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just drop the beat in exactly the right place. That's the kind of thing. And playing the Irish national anthem at the end of the night. That's <laughs> you know, a bit of bewitched. Well, it's, a, it's a rich uh, pop legacy island. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be involved in the New Boston Deptford Free Film Festival this year, and you've been involved in the past yeah what sort of events have you been involved with uh, specifically I, the last couple of years I did a, uh, a talk about the history of the cinema in Newcastle and Deptford kind of illustrated talk like showing some of the old buildings and also showing some of the uh, locations where films have been shot I'm not actually going to do that this year because I think I need to get some new material before I do that again but it's a great festival and I think one of the things it does is um, uh, highlight some of the different spaces in the area and put some amazing sort of free events. I mean, I went to see it at St. Nicholas Church, they had a showing oh. of Pasolini's uh, Gospel According to St. Matthew. Right. And it was fantastic. Like Candlelit Church, is great sort of black and white Italian film with a very, uh, well, a, a very attractive Jesus and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, a recent screening there of um, a Derek Jarman film, wasn't it? Yeah, they, had, they did. They showed Derek Jarman there with the there. So there was that, and they, they did some open-air things as well in Fordham Park and in um, Telegraph Hill Park and other places. So it's a great idea. And using quite an unusual place as well. I think they had a showing in one of the many tattoo parlours of Newcross and Deptford. <laughs> yeah, when um, we were at the meeting, they were sort of listing potential venues, and it was just place after place I've not heard of. Yeah, and you know, I've sort of know the area, but you're like, oh, right, right, where, where is that? Yeah. 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 It's like, like it was about Newcross uh, Inn. They sort of get, I mean, it was a bit last minute, isn't it? But they're getting like 
Yeah, they sort of the mountains. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. It was um, in terms of the the, kind of the, the, the New Cross and Deptford cinema history. As we said already, the uh, the venue previously the New Cross Cinema, uh, but also there's quite a few other places down Deptford High Street where, in the early days of cinema, you know, around the time of the First World War, the people were popping up cinemas all over the place. And there's some quite sad stories. There was a, in the First World War there was. Um, a children's film being shown in a cinema in Deptford High Street and uh, the, the noise of the fan, the air conditioning fan in the cinema, made people, something being caught in it, made people think there was a Zeppelin attack and people ran out and stampeded. It's something like two people looking after a thousand children or something and uh, quite a few people died. Um, so, so there's a few stories like that about the cinema locally, but also looking at some of the film um, kind of locations quite interesting as well. Um, like Derek Jarman and um, Jubilee, I mean, he filmed some of the, the scenes in that along the along the riverfront at Deptford. Again, based on this kind of like these these sort of liminal, marginal, derelict spaces where where you could just like be bonfire and nobody would really care. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, I didn't realise Derek Jarman lived in South London. Yeah, well, yeah, on, on, ba- on backside, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's a classic case, isn't it? Because all those, uh, what's now Butler's Wharf, uh, which is now, you know, all kind of uh, shishi restaurants and <laughs> high-class apartments, I mean, that was all semi-derelict and uh, artist studios and squats and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was there for years. So. And that's, yeah, a big part of the sort of thing in history. I mean, what we talk about on the show a lot of the time is people from uh, South London, but it's quite interesting as well just sort of seeing who... Uh, passed through, you know, yeah. Derek Jarman, uh, Sarpeter II, you know, yes. <laughs> little, little visits that have uh, a lot of impact. Yeah, and I still remember to this day. <laughs> so going back to uh, the South London question, yeah. what is the answer to it? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Well, I think, you know, obviously there'll come a point when we'll have to stop our respective projects when... South London becomes this terrible brand that is used to, unfortunately, uh, the unintended consequences of our efforts has been uh, to make <laughs> South London uh, such an attractive place to live that we can no longer afford to live there. <laughs> <laughs> We've too good, good a job of talking this place. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, the, the, I'm thinking about the whole kind of blogging phenomenon, because I think one of the things is that, because anyone can just do it with no resources, you can kind of fill in those gaps in areas which aren't being covered by a newspaper or kind of traditional media. And over time, maybe some of those things do change the perspectives on the area. I mean, mm. I guess Broccoli Central is a kind of a classic example. I mean, uh, whatever you think about it, it does what it says in the tin. You know, he has created a, a blog that uh, tells people everything that's going on in Broccoli. So right. anyone who lives in Broccoli or thereabouts, uh, you know, follows it. Um, I mean, some people criticise it for putting forward a particular perspective on it, but that's true of anybody, you know. I always say, yeah, we'll start your own then. But, um, <laughs> but what it has done is put Broccoli on the map in a way which it wasn't before. You know, when I first came over here, I knew, I knew Broccoli existed as a place, but it was never in my consciousness. Yeah, it, was like, it wouldn't be a place you could think to go yeah, to. There's Newcross, there's Deptford, and there's, there's other places which yeah. are... Oh, yeah, that, 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 that down there's broccoli. You, the broccoli wasn't a thing. No, no, no. When I was at school, so there was a kid in my class um, in secondary school who lived in broccoli, and that was as far as it went. I mean, you wouldn't go there. Yeah. But now, like, you speak to people, well, yeah, we're moving, thinking about broccoli. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's... Uh, obviously, there is this kind of... Uh, I mean, the critique of kind of boosterism of, uh, you know, talking up an area and, and gentrifying it. I think... Uh, you know, to be fair to, to Broadway Central, he's very aware of that kind of uh, the contradictions of that. Um, because that whole thing about boosting property prices is a double-edged sword, even people who own houses, because presumably they're going to want to move at some point, and then yeah. are they going to be able to afford to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a really strong sort of community of people who write and talk about South London, isn't there? And like, it was something when we went into it where you know, obviously uh, yourself pretty prominent, but then you, you'd have other names that would just sort of crop up again and again, and you realise, as you get to know more people, that there's these connections where people are, particularly with Twitter, Twitter's been a huge part yeah. of it, but people are just talking to each other. Um, uh, Jason Cobb, as you say, the yeah. South East London Folklore Society now, which is run by Nigel Berman's, yeah. who obviously does a huge number of other things, uh, along uh, with his wife in, in South London, in yeah. terms of uh, creative endeavours and it is just like you know you, the, the, as I say names that sort of pop up in all these different places um, Robert and Michael yeah. yeah where do you think um, you you fit into it Neil and Steve where do you think we fit into <laughs> it just one node in the network <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I think a lot of people start a kind of blog or a project like yours is a kind of fairly singular venture they do with themselves or with a friend that uh, you know, if it, has, if it creates some kind of echo, you, you're going to find other people with similar interests and, and, you know, meet them in the real world, probably. I mean, uh, when we started uh, Transpontine, around that time, as I say, there were other bloggers in Lewisham. It seemed like there was quite a lot around here. And we used to um, have Lewisham bloggers drinks and meet up in places like the Royal Albert and the Honor Oak. And uh, in fact, some people are going to do that again next week for the first time in about 10 years. But, uh, yeah, and you, and you do find some... Um, so kind of commonalities of people you see around and certainly I feel that with uh, with Deptford Dame and um, also Cross Watfields which is a really not a good, really good Deptford blog someone just started up a new cross a newish new cross blog which is uh, you know gives quite detailed coverage of the area but then there's other areas you think well why hasn't anyone started a blog there you know no, nobody has really from what I can see sustained uh, a decent Lewisham blog in the sense of you know Lewisham Central um, there's a good Blackheath blog, several good Greenwich blogs, including um, 853. Uh, Brixton's covered. Brixton is now really, really covered, but it didn't used so to be so much. Because for a while, there wasn't really a good Brixton blog, because uh, Open 75 was kind of filling that need. Mm. Uh, Crystal Palace is fairly well covered, I guess. Uh, I think it's also is, is there an Emily blog? I think there's, but there's also... Um, not a divide, but I think there's a difference. Um, and again, it's like you said on your website where, you know, we're not necessarily here to endorse particular places or, or, or products. We're here to talk about things that are there. Yeah. But I, I think there is a, a strand that's starting to emerge now, particularly, as I say, that has come out of Twitter where people are sort of thinking they can monetize it yeah. and do what are essentially lifestyle blogs yeah. based around areas. And I think that's a bit... Somebody did start, what was that one that started last year? I think it was called like South Central or something, or I can't remember what it's called. It was Below the River. Below the River, yeah. Yeah, and that's very much in And to be fair, they, don't, they did a good job. They had some, a lot of good content in there. They put some good yeah. work into it. But it seems to have um, closed. And I assume because... I think they're back again. Are they? they okay, they, sorry. They sorry. so many people fall by the wayside. I have, yeah, 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 but you know, it's not, it's not, a, 
it's not necessarily a lifetime commitment. What, no, I, what I don't like, what I'm always sad to see is when someone finishes a blog and then they delete it. Yeah, why would you... I know sometimes people uh, kind of overshare a bit and then they regret some of the things they've said. Right. Okay. Or, or maybe they get a new job and they're worried about what they said. I, I kind of get it, but um, I think it's a, a great shame because, uh, you know, I, I guess as a kind of historian as well, you know, it's, it's all about the archive. You know? And when someone deletes their blog, you know, that's like going into a library and setting like some books I mean probably they're wasting the time because it's all on the NSA server somewhere <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so well eventually you know the security services are, are archiving the whole of the internet for our future historians they're, they're lovely guys yeah. <laughs> what do you think Stephen about Austin about in terms of in, on the hyper-local transmontane scene uh, do you feel books. part of it <laughs> yeah definitely do, do you the thing is I like you said about Twitter, I don't really spend a great deal of time on our Twitter. Right. You know, I'm on there occasionally to promote the episode, but I don't really get involved. I mean, I'm heavily involved in football Twitter on my other account. Yeah. And there's a big, it's a similar thing where there's a lot of community there, but the real life meeting people is kind of lacking. Yeah. Or, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, with that kind of, the local scene, I found Dulwich Hamlet, as we've said before, yeah, has, yeah. Sort of, has ended up a bit of a meeting point. I've toyed with coming down to, to the Hamlet, and I think obviously when Newton get promoted this year, I will no longer have a non-league team to support. So, uh, yeah, right. Uh, you know, maybe I'll... Uh, yeah, well, like, uh, I'm down eight, eight, 18 points clear Yeah, something ridiculous, right, right. no goal difference. Um, beaten in 20 games or something? Yeah, more, more. Because I think you, you, weren't you like 12 points off the top? And you're yeah, yeah, came, came, so where are they in the conference? In, it's the school premier, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, Cambridge were way, way ahead and they yeah. zoomed ahead. So. Remarkable. I can't so, think yeah. of that. Sort of and they, they get massive crowds, of, you know. Yeah. More, yeah. more than Dulwich Hamlet, even. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, and because, I, you know, as I say, I think for me to start supporting Millwall would be a step too far, despite my softening to them as a local team. Maybe that's where Dulwich Hamlet could fill that gap in my life. Well, we, 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 uh, <laughs> we came to the show as a Spurs fan, a West Ham fan, respectively, but obviously. Jack has a long history of going to Dunning. Yeah, he used to go as a kid, and my dad's is like, he don't just go, but he, you know, he's heavily involved. Yeah. But it's similar with you, Steve, it's not like you just, you just turn No, I've, I've been before, and I used to play five-side football at Dunning, so yeah. I've always um, been around the club. But I do, similar now, obviously, not so much for you, but it's very easy, I, if I go there, I'd imagine I'd run into half a dozen people yeah, like yeah, Mishy, yeah. Robert, maybe a couple of guys from A3 Hill were there Nadine you know it's just like you know and it's nice this, it does feel like it's a sort of ripple thing where the more we do and the more people we meet mm. the more people you become aware of and it, there is I think there is a real sort of uh, nice sense of community amongst mm. the yeah. sort of the people, people we're, we're all sort of on the same page in terms of particularly with the Dulwich thing as well there's a real sort of yeah I mean I think there's a number of reasons for it I mean partly obviously the kind of the separation, uh, the way people feel alienated by Premier League clubs, and they kind of are kind of uh, drawn to the appeal of going to watch. But there's a correspondence there. Where we've we've talked before about the sort of the radical element uh, at Dulwich Hamlet in terms of uh, the sort of political Saint Pauli crowd. Sorry, the Saint Pauli crowd. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think there's a similar thing yeah. with uh, 
what we do in terms of, uh, of us on the show, you on the blog, Jason Cobb as well. There's a, a there is a, a political, as I say, a sort of radical political non-party element where yeah. we're looking, we're affected by social issues and sort of frustrated a lot of the time. And you know, and I think there's a, I say, a correspondence there with what you say about Dulwich Hamlet in the Premier League, a frustration with the establishment in so many ways. And I think that's a very South London attitude to have. As you say, you said earlier, the establishment for us has always been on the other side of the river and it's very, very easy for us to sort of uh, feel removed from them in every sense of the world. So what about Dulwich Hamlet then? Do you, I mean, do you get many kind of, kind of old, old school East Dulwich people there? Because, you know, yeah. um, I lived in, in East Dulwich just for about a year in the in the 90s and it was kind of just on the turn there was like when we, when we moved there was, I think there was only one like Blue Mountain was the only right. place you get coffee yeah, you, still yeah. can't, you still can't get a decent cup of coffee in, in Dulwich though despite all of the proliferation of uh, coffee places yeah, yeah uh, it's apart yeah, from it's, the Blue Mountain which is quite nice but it's obviously East Dulwich yeah East Dulwich has obviously changed heavily, but leaving, yeah, leaving that aside I mean it, you know it was kind of it, it's amazing to see the transformation in a few years and uh, I recently read the book called Becoming Nancy have you seen that it's a uh, it's a, it's a novel, and uh, it's written by this guy who's basically grown up gay in East Dulwich, working class East Dulwich in the in the nineteen seventies. And uh, the other world he describes is so different from um, yeah. from now. He's like working men's club on Lordship Lane, all this kind of stuff. So you know, obviously those people were still around, and presumably a few of them are still down the Hamlet. But what was that about the kind of uh, local scene, if you will, the local online scene? The East, Dun- the East Dulwich side, but we talk about the East Dulwich Forum, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> like there was, if you, you were at the East Dulwich Forum. Oh yeah, have you? Yeah, yeah. like there was someone that like, I think it was it David White uh, was showing me this post where just as the riots were kicking off, like so it was like the seventh or eighth of August, um, what two or three years ago, and like some sort of again, I've got this Ocado delivery due today. Like, is it going to be? Oh, you got to do remember that? That was a, a legendary post. I never, never did work out whether there was a satire. But yeah, it's, it is their their local scene. That kind of posh end of Peckham, yeah. East Dulwich. That's what you want to avoid, Steve. I don't know. Don't yeah. become that. <laughs> As of the wilder reaches of uh, Annalee and beyond, I mean. Uh, I've been doing quite a lot of running recently, and uh, I've, I've done Crystal Palace Park Run, right. actually, get off at Annerley Station. Yeah. Uh, that's a great one. And uh, I'm actually doing this. Have you been to the Crystal Palace Museum? No. Tiny little uh, thing on the side of the park. Well worth a visit. Really good. Loads of um, good Brunel stuff. Yeah. I'm doing a City Cup 10 miles on a uh, 10 mile run on Sunday, and that's how I went. I'm asked someone I've never been to. So that's, that's another thing I've been thinking about recently is this kind of. Uh, where South East London bleeds into Kent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And is there something specific about the, the kind of Kentish character of South London? We, we talked earlier on about, you know, what's the difference between North London and South London. And where is, and what, well, for me, what's the difference between South East London and South West London as well? You know, South East London is Kent and South West London is Surrey. Yeah. Uh, and Newcastle is actually going on the border, from historically, the border right, between right. Uh, one of the border areas between the two counties. But there is something when you go out to places like. Um, Margate, Whitstable, you know, it is kind of South London on the sea, isn't it? <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. Well, we have our discussion about you know, what, which place in South, in Kent is, is which part of South East London. So, you know, <laughs> Whitstable is becoming a bit like East Dulwich. <laughs> uh, What's Margate, your new cross? 
I think Margate's kind of Newcross, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we used to go to on holiday at Cliftonville every year. I suppose it's maybe a bit like your Telegraph Hill to Margate's Newcross. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my auntie did some sort of family history research. She found out that my, uh, my great 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 grandparents were great 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 great, I'm not quite sure which, but anyway, in the, in the mid 19th century they were living in, uh, in Deptford Church Street on the. Uh, with a little wagon, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and like Trace and that 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 family. I mean, they they started out in Deptford, and they they moved down to Woolwich, working the arsenal. Then some of them ended up going down to Faversham in Kent, where there was a big munitions factory at Oring next to Faversham. So yeah, there's it, um, and then obviously eventually after a long kind of uh, historical exodus and migration, I ended up living so down the road. <laughs> so you know, this this is kind of Kent. Kent, South East London kind of uh, interplay is another another dimension to be explored, I reckon. Yeah, certainly. That kind of, when we went, say, did the Eltham episode, you know, it's quite different from, I mean, these are extremes, but say you go in the other direction, and we did like Wimbledon Village or like Barnes, you know, it's quite different, those kind of, the outskirts of South West London and the outskirts of South East yeah, London are yeah. very different. Follow Neil's adventures around South London transpont t-r-a-n-s-p-o-n-t dot blogspot dot com did they not have uh, transpont time it's not available I don't know what's going on there actually I think at the time there was a limit to how many, um, how, right. many how many characters it's you so long ago wasn't it yeah. <laughs> it was a very different place in those yeah, days exactly yeah. <laughs> southlondonhardcore dot com for us um, 100 episodes on there 100 plus on iTunes as well uh, t-shirt southlondonhardcore.spreadshirt.co.uk because facebook.com slash southlondonhardcore and like us obviously and join the group for the uh, join the group for the Ivy House pub quiz get a team together let us know you're coming down mm. Avery Hill today talking about putting together for a uh, team specialist a crack team they're the danger so far Thanks for coming along, Neil. Thank you. I'm sure it's going to sound like three blokes sitting in the pub talking about South London, but hey, that's what it is. That's the idea, <laughs> <right>? <laughs>